special, 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 special. Spider-Man, 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 Spider-Man. Does whatever a Spider-Man can. Does he swing? 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 Where does his web come out of? Does it come out of spider 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 Don't you do this. Don't you do this to my Spider-Man. Don't you do this to my Spider-Man. Don't you do this. Don't you do this. Hey, listeners. Hey, everybody. Hey, listeners. Oh, it's late and we're tired and loopy. We hope you enjoyed listening to a little remix we did of a little ASMR. Yeah, ASMR. We're we're bringing it back to you with the Peter Parker Power Hour for a Spider-Man special. Yeah, we did our Batman special. We're back to do a Spider-Man special. You know, No Way Home just came out a few weeks ago, months ago, years ago, years ago. Who knows? And it broke the multiverse literally. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, we wanted to talk about Spider-Man. We did the th- we did the thing with Batman about our favorite Batmans, our favorite Batman-related things. And if there's any character in superhero fiction that is as ubiquitous, if not more so than Batman, it's Spider-Man. It's Spider-Man, yeah. Yeah. And so we we brought a little old school today. We brought back our Wakanda contributor, Lemoyne Joseph, the lovable Batman in disguise, Austin Sandoval Sweeney, and one of our new recruits, the new Spider-Ling, Ethan Barhorst. Yeah, uh, we're going to bring all five of us together. We're going to do something a little bit different this time, but I think you guys are going to enjoy it. And we're going to talk Spider-Man. So sit back, relax, climb into your little spider web and enjoy. Don't get a web block. Oh, God. Hello, and welcome to the Peter Porker Power Hour, the podcast where we discuss Peter Porker, the spectacular Spider-Ham. But more broadly, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, DC, Lord of the Rings, Game of Thrones, Star Wars, and a variety of other nerd fandoms. Hello. Hey, what's up? Hey, Will, how's it going? Going well. Hey, it was so weird. I was just like hanging out, I don't know, uh-huh. doing whatever I do in my own dimension. And dimension, it, what? Yeah. And then there was like a weird purple thing in the sky. I it, oh, there's Thanos. A, mm-hmm. No, no, it was like he was a, it was a man. He had like man. weird he had, purple he had ta- man. the purple man. No, no, he had like some tattoos. He was in a big like it looked like a rhinoceros cosplay. I don't know. It was strange. Wait, are we are we in different dimensions? Are oh no, wait, who's that? What? <laughs> what is going on? Hey Lemoyne. Oh wait. Oh what's Hello? good, homie? Oh. I- <gasps> oh wait, there's another another gold circle opening up. What? What? Who's this? Who's it? Oh, Austin. Austin, hello. We have two more people in our dimension. <laughs> Hello. Called in by called in by the Sorcerer Supreme, not Stephen Strange. Thanks, Wong, for getting right. me here. Wait, yeah. wait, who's your Thanks Sorcerer Wong. Supreme? In my Victor universe? Dr. Fate. <laughs> no, Victor Von Doom. Uh, Ned. Ned Leeds is the Sorcerer <laughs> oh, Supreme where I come from. Oh. Are you spoiling? Are you spoiling? I think he's spoiling. Mine's Clea, sorry. Mine's Harry Potter. Oh, wait, there's another one opening. What's going on? Oh, hello, white man. Who are you? 
Hi, everybody. My name is Ethan. I'm a recent friend of Dondro and very happy to be here. Hello, Ethan. Hey. Wait, so Will, why, why did you bring us all together? Well, first of all, it's because we all know the secret identity of Spider-Man. <gasps> in case you all are curious, that is why Maverick isn't here. I texted him and asked, like, hey, do you know Spider-Man's secret identity? Mm -hmm. He was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure he's, like, from that alternate timeline where he's, like, young Tony Stark. Uh, and so he didn't get pulled in. That explains a lot. Yeah, Maverick tends to not or really know what's going on. Oh, wait, no. Did he say Arya Stark? <gasps> One of the two. Anyway, but more importantly, uh, a few months ago, we came together and we talked about Batman stuff, or at least four of us. Uh, Ethan is our new addition. We, we came together, we talked Batman, we talked favorite Batman stuff, we talked the Joker, we talked love interests, we Joker. talked cars... And now we're and phrases. Wait, we for, we forgot quotes. Remember? And quotes. Yes, we had the best quote of the night. It was um, Lamorne. Can you redo that quote? Batman has no limits. <laughs> uh, also, also, really quickly, I love Will how you said that we recorded a few months ago, and yet I think it was released like last month. Yep, <laughs> at least November. That's yeah, it was released in November. That's yeah. all I'm say. I appreciate yeah. that we have we have a we have a perfectionist at, at his craft editing yeah, our yeah. shows. Perfection right. takes time. Then, right. And then we wanted more time. We wanted to do the same thing for Spider-Man. Talk all the same stuff. The Spider-Men, the Spider Cars, the Spider like Megazords or uh Leopardon, I think is the name. The uh, spider webs. And where do they come from? Yes. Literally. Uh, yes. But Lamo so we're going to talk Spider-Man. We're going to talk favorite Spider-Man stuff. But last time we talked Batman, we all just kind of threw out our favorites. It ended up kind of heavy on certain uh, franchises and less heavy Thank on Thank you, Zack Snyder. Thank you, Zack Snyder. So Lemoyne had an idea to force us to talk about other things. Look, we all want to talk about Spider-Man 1978, but some people may not know between 2002 and 2008 or something, Tobey Maguire, this actor, you might remember him from like the Seabiscuit movie. He actually played Spider-Man too. So he was Spider-Man number two. He was Spider-Man number two. Well, wow. the first, the first one was uh, Shinji Toto, obviously. I thought you were gonna mention the movie Brothers with Tobey Maguire. That too. That too. Nominated for a Golden Globe. Yeah. We don't, What's we a don't Golden recognize Globe when it's I'm not say we don't, we don't, I'm about to say we don't recognize the Golden Globes anymore, but still, still important. You know? Hey, All but right. MJ Rodriguez won. But Lemoyne had an idea for how we're gonna structure this one a little bit differently. So I'm gonna pass it to Lemoyne, and he's going to explain the rules that mm. some of us didn't fully understand until recently and myself still included lemoyne <laughs> um, what's good what's good hello Our wakandan contributor yes yes the wakandan contributor uh speaking to your eardrums right now listeners here's a little bit of advice if you're confused at any point during this podcast just remember one key rule what we're doing today is a draft okay so if you're confused, like some people were during the pre-recording of this podcast, and by mean pre-recording, I mean the process months, it took months for us to plan this out, and yet people just mentioned it today. So I just want to make sure you understand that if you're confused, just remember one thing, what we're doing today is a draft.
each person on this pod is trying to create their best team. Now, these teams are not going to be fighting in any secret infinity, you know, civil wars. What we're just trying to do is pick the best well-rounded team. So what we're going to do is we are going to have a Sinister Six draft. Each one of us is going to make one pick of each of the following categories. A best Spider-Man film, a best fight scene in a Spider-Man film, best villain performance, best ally or love interest, best suit or costume, and the best individual portrayal of a Spider-Man. The winner of the draft, because Dondro is not cool with us just playing for fun, um, the winner of the draft will be determined through a poll after the completion after the completion of the draft drafters cannot rate their own team when voting i created the poll so that would not happen because i know some people would likely try to find a way to cheat the system by some people by some people i'm also low-key including myself so i'm trying to keep myself honest (laughs) Mm -hmm. the eligible full-length feature films that we are considering for this draft include going all the way back from 1977 the only person alive at that point was probably austin from 1977 spider-man spider-man strikes back spider-man the dragon's challenge spider-man 1978 toby mcguire spider-man in 2002 spider-man 2 spider-man 3 the amazing spider-man the amazing spider-man 2 spider-man homecoming spider-man far from home spider-man no way home spider-man into the spider-verse we are also for many of the categories including Features of Spider-Man in other films. So that will include Captain America Civil War, Avengers Infinity War, and Avengers Endgame. Those last three categories, however, are ineligible to be selected for the best Spider-Man film. And if you're a listener out there who's asking the question, where are the Venom films? Why aren't we including them into this conversation? Guess what? We are a podcast of class. We are not including Venom in this conversation. You stoked out or you turned this thing off. Yes, if you have questions about the Venom films, please refer to uh, one of our earlier podcast episodes where we recapped the Venom number one. And if you're looking for info on Venom number two, let there be carnage. Uh, go jump into trash dumpster. Thank you. The order of the draft was selected at random prior to this recording. The white people, as in life, are going first. This will be a snake order draft, though. So drafters will be selecting their uh, picks in reverse order in alternating rounds. First up is Will, second is Austin, third is myself, fourth is Dondro, and fifth, last but not least, is Ethan. Yeah. I would just like to note for the listeners that Will fully started busting out in the Spider-Man 3 dance, and I will need to see that again before the end of this podcast. I think whoever wins needs to get up and do it in front of the camera. In making selections, uh, we have a couple of rules that we'll go over briefly. First rule is that in each round, a drafter may select one selection from any of the categories that are not currently on their team. However, once a drafter has selected a pick for a category, that category is filled for their team for the rest of the draft. An example would be, since Will has the first pick, he can pick from any of the center six six categories that are on the board. So let's assume he picked Liz Allen from Spider-Man Homecoming as a love interest for the first round. That would mean in round two, Will can no longer pick a love interest or an ally, but he can pick from any of the remaining five categories on his team. Second rule, once a drafter makes a selection in the category, that pick is off the board for everyone else in that specific category. So Will picks Liz Allen for best love interest in the first round, 
Liz Allen cannot be selected as the ally or love interest for any other drafter. Okay. Can I throw out a, a, a note on that? Sure. Why not? So Liz Allen is not like the number one example for this, but we are ju- we are picking based on like character or scene or suit, whatever it may be, but also based on movie. So if I were to pick for best love interest, MJ as played by Kirsten Dunst in Spider-Man 2, and Dondra was like, I want to do MJ as played by Kirsten Dunst in Spider-Man 1, he could still pick that. Right. Great point. And absolutely. And that goes for all of the character portrayals. Going forward, then drafters can fill out uh, their team categories in any order they choose out of the available categories. That leads to a little bit of strategies, listeners. You know, when will we pick which category? You know, got to think a little bit ahead. Um, you don't want to be someone who came into this draft with only one category, one pick in a category, because then you might be SOL, that shit out of luck. <clears throat> Dondro. Uh, so, excuse you. I will I really, delete you. I, I low-key really... I'm the host! I can delete you this time! <laughs> I will send you back into your dimension that has been overrun by zombies. Point of clarification here. We, we, may be, uh, we may be hindering our credibility to talk about the uh, content at hand here. We keep on saying dimensions. I, I think the proper terminology would be universes you have i think dimensions within universes the multiverse is about different universes and within the universes there there are dimensions yeah such can as I tell you, can, I, can i tell you can i tell you how much i was actually thinking about that anyway so moving forward in round three drafters can fill out their team categories in any order they choose out of the available categories so it will going back to this example will if you pick liz allen for the best love interest in the first round, that does not mean that Austin would have to pick a, a best love interest or an ally in the first round. Austin can pick from any category he chooses. All right. Lemoyne, thank you for this explanation. Listeners, if you have questions about it, please tweet it at Lemoyne. No one will respond because no one owns that account, but at least you tried. Also, one last thing for the listeners and for the drafters. After every two rounds, I'll do a quick recap of where we are in the draft. That makes Sounds sense. Gucci. Shall we get started? I think we should. Let's do it, boys. Beep, boop, 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 beep. Starting into the Spider-Man Draft 2022. <clears throat> With the first pick <laughs> in the Spider-Man Drafts. Will, you are on the clock. All right. So when we were first talking about this as a draft and like this idea, I texted Dondro and I was like, and we're like talking about this idea, how we're going to structure this. And I was like, all right. So we all know that there's going to be one pick in one category that it's just going to be a bloodbath over because we're all going to want it for that category. So I'm going to be a dick and take it. Do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. Best film, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. I see Lemoyne's physical reaction here. I I know it's fine. Look, here's the thing. It's interesting. I am. I know. I'm poaching it right off the bat. But here's the thing. It's, I think, maybe the one out of these categories that there is, it just stands head and shoulders above every other entry. It is so good. It's so well told. It's so well animated. So well acted. It is one of those rare superhero movies that is transcending the genre and is just a great film on its own it's the i'm saying this one i'm saying this one into the spider-verse is the best comic book film that's ever been made 
And I'm specifically using the term comic book film because it is probably the closest we will actually ever get to having what it feels like to read a comic book for the first time in the medium of film. It's one of the best movies I saw in the entire decade of the 2010s. It's, it's a perfect film. Will, I hate you, but you did a very good job with your first pick. <laughs> and so to clarify, Will has picked Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, directed by Bob Parachetti, Peter Ramsey, and Rodney Rothman for best film in his draft. A- any other comments from the other drafters? Folks it wasn't my number that? one, but I see it. Oh, Solid choice. This is coming coming from the guy who picked BVS as his number one Batman movie. I can't, believe, I, can't believe, I can't believe I can't believe I can't believe it. I can't believe it. And and let's not forget that he almost picked Batman uh what's called forever for Jim Carrey. <laughs> that was a joke, and we all know this. <laughs> Your Jim Carrey rant may have been the best part of our previous pod lemoyne i'm still mad about that i listened to that again and i was just like you know what i deserve to be that mad i deserve to be that (laughs) all right i think it's austin's turn all right excellent choice will so uh with my first pick i'm going to go with the category individual portrayal of spider-man and i will be going with our young promising versatile Tom Holland and his depiction of the character in No Way Home. He brought humor. He brought rage, joy, sadness, uh, wrestling with major, major loss as Spider-Man often has to do. He had to make tough decisions as Spider-Man is often characterized by where he could not save everyone um he had he had snark he started in some scenes to get some of that characteristic sort of spider-man snarkiness that you see in the comic books and that i think andrew garfield has done so well in his portrayal of the character but tom holland brought that in um you saw his biggest display of ingenuity yet because spider-man is is pretty much genius level um as he started to develop the cures for the villains and just just the emotion and and the acting performance that Tom Holland brought to the table and all of the versatility that he brought and range that he brought to this role, I think really seals this for him. Um, you truly get to see him act as Peter goes from being a spider boy to Spider-Man. And Andrew Garfield is getting a lot of the hype for stealing the show. Spider-Man in No Way Home, but, but I got to say the superior spider acting performance was Tom Holland in No Way Home. I, I like completely it. agree. Yeah, he was my first pick too. Was not wow. on my board. Lemoyne. But I res- but I respect the I do respect the pick, not on my board. <laughs> I can see that. I'll be intrigued to hear who is. Is your is the top of your board with this a live action char- character, Lemoyne? No spoilers, Austin. Mm. It, it is your turn though, Lemoyne. It is, it is. My pick. So what I did was I have five, but then in my five, I kind of bolded and underlined the ones that are like the top tier that I need to have, and then the ones underneath. And then that's how I'm deciding. And so I had three films that were bolded and underlined, and one of them's gone. And so now I'm stuck with two. I'm going to go with best at this current moment. Ooh. And I'm selecting Spider-Man Homecoming as my best film. I have I like to pick this. this, and I really have to pick this one because for a lot of reasons. The first one is I think it is probably the MCU is kind of hit or miss with origin stories, and probably one of the smartest decisions 
that has ever been made in an MCU project is to skip the origin story for Spider-Man. We have seen it. We've done it. We're we're moving on. And that's one of the smartest things about Into the Spider-Man, Into the Spider-Verse, is that they spoof the origin story in terms of y'all know who I am. Y'all know who I am. Y'all know who this is. And then Peter Parker does his own laugh, like Looney Tunes thing, right? Looney Tunes? Whatever. Um, With Spider-Man Homecoming, (laughs) Dowdrow's so mad, listeners. With Spider-Man Homecoming, they gave you the vibe of why I love Spider-Man, which is like, for me, the things I love about Spider-Man is the fact that he is this neighborhood hero. And the opening sequence of him actually doing errands around the neighborhood when he wasn't called by Happy for another Avengers mission was probably the the best scene of what I think of a portrayal of Spider-Man should be in a film, or at least the setup before he gets into the story. Everything was very grounded, street level. That's something I really love about Spider-Man. Tom Holland is fantastic. Just a fantastic Spider-Man. And then also, I just gotta be honest with you, I came to this movie kind of expecting Sony to let me down. And Homecoming did not let me down. It was an incredible ride throughout. I watched it yesterday in preparation, and y'all, I still laugh. I still laugh when I, I still laugh. I'm still shocked. I'm still, it still gives me the vibes that like of when I saw it in the theaters. And after rewatching the top three films that I had on my list, aside from Into the Spider-Verse, Homecoming is easily the next best project of any Spider-Man film. So I'm very happy I have this one. Now, Lemoyne, hard agree. Like Spider-Man Homecoming was my number two on my list for best films. It's awesome. Snaps to that. Donjo, I think I think it's you now. I'm going to choose a category that I'm surprised hasn't come up with the first three because I feel like there's really only one clear answer for this. And so I'm going to go to best villain. And so to be honest, my original first pick, unfortunately, due to the rules of the game, is no longer eligible to be picked. So originally, my first pick was the Kingpin slash Wilson Fisk because he is a Spider-Man villain. However, he is not eligible for this uh, game, draft, whatever, because he actually hasn't appeared in a Spider-Man film, even though he's MCU. Into the Spider-Verse. Played by Vincent D'Onofrio. That's the one I was choosing. So instead, what I am choosing is the Green Goblin slash Norman Osborn, played by Willem Dafoe, particularly in Spider-Man No Way Home. Let's be honest, Green Goblin is the main villain in this film separate him from the original raimi trilogy he is still the heart villain of this film which you must do according to the rules individual performance in the film yes and i said no way home norman osborne slash the green goblin persona gets gets our tom holland spidey to such a dark place within himself he is inexplicably the the reason aunt may dies right he is one of the reasons that peter loses everything you know, uh, that fight at the end, and I'm not going to talk about the scene itself, but the bouncing off between both characters acting wise between Willem and, and Tom Holland, like that deserves an award in and of itself. This man is crazy. This, this persona comes out of, I mean, we've seen it before, right? But in this film, it comes out so poignantly and so menacingly, right? That scene where the Spidey sense just knows something's wrong, but doesn't really know what's going on. And then we're like, oh shit. It's the Green Goblin persona coming out. That's what he's sensing. You just can't go wrong with it. Willem Dafoe is by far 
in no way home the what my pick is for the best villain i think that's a super solid pick that that was my number one for that category it's a it's a very solid pick yeah i'll leave it there (laughs) (laughs) he was on my board he was on my board dodro he was bolded he was underlined he was on my board so it's a very solid pick i'll leave it there because i don't want to spoil (laughs) all right ethan you're up dude Oh man, I I think I have access to a nuclear bomb here. I swear to God, this was my number one pick going into it. Uh, I'm also going with best villain, Green Goblin, Willem Dafoe from the OG Raimi Spider-Man movie. Alejandro, I love and respect your pick. However, I think from the original Raimi movie, we get to see Norman Osborn at his highest, right? We get to see head of Oscorp, Norman Osborn, not befuddled, confused old man eating donuts, Norman Osborn. That is my pick. To jump in, I have Spider-Man 2002, <laughs> Green Goblin above Green Goblin, no way home. I'm with you on this one, Ethan. I really am. I really oh. am. For me, the thing about the Green Goblin that I kind of love is the fact that he is very much like both a physical, but also very much like an emotional and psychological threat to Spider-Man at all times. And I think for me, the pre-existing relationship in terms of what the Green Goblin had in terms of him being the father of you know Spider-Man's like best friend in Harry, um, I think that just added another layer in the um, original film for the Green Goblin than it did for the um, Tom Holland Spider-Man, which granted he did have a big impact in terms of actually like killing Aunt May. Huge, huge impact. I'm not trying to get rid of that, but I just think like there was just a little bit more of a psychological like tinge for that first Green Goblin um, in terms of that entire series um, Mm -hmm. than there was for the No Way Home Green Goblin. They were both on my list. They were both bold and underlined. But I ended up going with 2002's over No Way Home. So, Ethan, I'm actually with you on this. I mean, let's be honest. Let's just give it to Willem Dafoe 20 years apart. And this role has just, like, when will anyone ever? That's so true. Is anyone here something of a scientist, by the way? Ethan and and LeMoyne just love the mask. It's, It's the mask for them. I, yeah, that was that's one of my biggest beefs in No Way Home is how early they get rid of it. I it's I love that dumb Power Rangers mask. He's scary without it on. The words are out. Speed Spider Man. <laughs> the laugh. I wish I could do the laugh, but I can't. Will you can do the laugh, can't you? No, I can't. <laughs> Back to formula. Out I mean, am I? I, I mean, also, we gotta be honest. Like endlessly quotable in that first. That is film. so true. Endlessly quotable. It was oh, like camp. It was camp. So it was camp for I, days. I I will say I do love from No Way Home his line. I think it's equally quotable. Norman's on sabbatical. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, hey Ethan, I think it's back to back for you. So you get another pick. All right, uh, we're gonna go with a very safe bet on this one. What I was originally gonna use for round one, we're going best ally. That's gonna be Tony Stark in Spider Man Homecoming. I, I think that's pretty self-explanatory. Provides his first real Spider-Man suit, prevents him, you know, from kind of committing a mass tra- tragedy and preventing him from really becoming a hero in the first place. 
Yeah, that's that's my pick. Are you sure you didn't mean best love interest, Tony Stark? Because I know this is a, a slash uh, ally slash love interest category. I don't. I mean, this is closer to the ultimate timeline of Peter, so that's broaching into some problematic territory. Mm, this is Disney, after all. <laughs> Great pick, even. I think that's a really good pick. <laughs> no, one of my favorite things about how Homecoming treats Tony Stark, like I, I'm totally agree with you, and I love Homecoming, is how he's like a mentor. But the whole yeah. point of Homecoming is like Peter Parker isn't exactly like Tony Stark. He shouldn't be exactly like Tony Stark. He can yeah. learn from Tony and then be better than him. Yeah, it's kind of like that. Bru- I mean, not to get too sanctimonious. It's like that Bruce Lee quote, like absorb what's useful, discard what's not, create what is uniquely your own. Are you ready for a contrarian opinion? Go for it, Lemoyne. Tony Stark is a terrible ally if we're actually thinking about what the definition of an ally is. I think the definition is up to interpretation. Anyway, fine. It isn't how I'm interpreting it, right? He's the reason why the entire conflict that he has to go through in that film is even happening. It's the fact that he causes a mess, profits off the mess, and all the little people are the ones that have to fix his mess, and he's completely, like, nonchalantly, like, there for to for the cleanup like even in that first thing when he finds when they first find out that uh the vulture is you know has all this alien weaponry when uh peter parker is trying to fix up the mess he brings his his empty suit to the park (laughs) it says leave this to the cops not the avengers because it's not their problem even though it is tony's fault that this is happening like he's not he doesn't have any sense of accountability none so like for me i'm sorry but tony stark yes the name recognition is great you know it's like you know mentor figure gives him the suit takes away the suit i think tony stark is a terrible ally good pick in the regard of i have all my picks still available so thank you ethan i digress listeners this is the first time i've met ethan by the way <laughs> that was that was a great argument i respect it and that's why i don't have an adequate rebuttal prepared i was I mean, just in awe this is what happens when universes cross over i respect it i respect it mm. all right dondro i think you're up i'm gonna do this next one just to piss lemoyne off because i think it's gonna be one of his but also it's one of mine since my number one was taken for this so for the best portrayal of spider-man i am going to put and draft on my team portraying spider-man shamik moore as miles morales oh lamone shaking his head interesting it's, it's not number one it's it's on there but it's not <laughs> it's, but it's not number one we have talked at length already about the amazingness of into the spider-verse the voice acting done by all the actors involved the character design the character story this is getting already two sequels back to back coming out in the next two years I think Shamik Moore just nails Miles Morales easily. You know, we see Miles, this young kid, starting to learn his powers, dealing with family stuff, dealing with this multiversal stuff going on, dealing with everything an Afro-Latino in the Bronx is dealing with. And now he has powers. And I think Shamik Moore lends himself perfectly to it. I wish Shamik Moore could be a real uh, live action uh, Miles Morales one day. I don't know if that's going to happen. But that's my pick for best Spider-Man portrayal. It's a good one. Well done. Yeah, I, I don't have much to add. You just wasn't my number one, but very solid. Mm-hmm. Well, mine. In in the spirit of trying to piss off the person that's coming up next, 
<laughs> in my villain category, I only had three villains that were bolded and underlined. And I look at this order and I know if I don't say this person's name, I know the person next to me will say it within the next two picks. So you, uh, I know I think I, I think I know what you're going to say. And I feel like you've hacked into my screen here. So I'm but I'll trying, let you I'll let you continue. <laughs> so I'm trying. I know I said the purpose of this was to diversify the films in which we're talking about. I understand. It, <laughs> but I'm sorry. I know Austin Sweeney is not going to say no to Michael Keaton playing a bird inspired hero. <laughs> You're going to take Michael so Keaton off the board so, for a guy so we know with two he's Batman also not, posters so, over his wait, head. So Birdman know, isn't Birdman is not a Spider-Man film. Lemoyne. He's talking about Batman. Oh, thank you. So I know that if the opportunity to pick Michael Keaton as a bird inspired villain is on the table. Austin Sweeney's taking it, and he is my number one Spider-Man villain on my board, and I can't let him have it. Give me I am I am Michael frustrated Keaton with you portraying the vulture in Spider-Man Homecoming. Austin, I'm gonna let you speak. Why did you want Michael Keaton as the vulture in Spider-Man Homecoming? And I'll just add on to it. I am frustrated with you, and I couldn't agree more with you at the same time. This is, in my opinion, not a contest uh even versus uh willem defoe we can just tag team this here lemoyne this guy has got a believable and even in some ways excusable cause he is terrifying that car scene when he is driving them coming that is the best one-on-one spider-man villain scene i think perhaps in a Spider-Man movie, and I'm, Peter is not even suited up. That scene is chilling to I this day here? to watch can it I, over. Can we please stay into the car scene? Because I need to stay here with this one. I really need to stay here. Yeah, let me, let me, let me bounce this over. Okay, biggest reveals. So the things about Spider-Man that I love is that he is a man of will, right? So he is a man of sure will. He's not the strongest superhero. He is, a flat, he is an agile one, but he's not the most agile, right? He's just a kid. He doesn't have a lot of tech unless Tony Stark is giving it and taking away. However, he is a guy of sheer willpower. So the fact that I think, in my opinion, the best psychological fight in the MCU is that car scene, because it is a battle of the hero who is defined by his will and the villain who is also defined by his will. And the villain, like most Spider-Man fights, got one up on him, right? It's the definitive battle for me in terms of a psychological battle of wills. It is, to me, what the jail scene between the Joker and uh, the Dark Knight and Batman in the Dark Knight, it is, it is that for me in the MCU. Um, I know that might be controversial, but screw it. We're going there. Um, that scene is incredible. And the fact that there were two other picks for villains before I got a chance to pick Adrian Toomes happened. Oh my God, I am so happy. Um, Austin, continue. <laughs> I, I expected to walk away. I got to go down further on, <clears throat> on my list now for this category. But the other thing that I love so much about um, Keaton is the vulture is that, I mean, if you look at things that are so core to Spider-Man, one of the truest and most heartbreaking things for him is he could never really be with the girl or woman that he loves. And Michael Keaton's character as this villain 
so instantaneously just crushes that possibility again for Peter in a way that we haven't seen before. Uh, we've seen Peter lose his love interest in a number of ways. This is such a creative, I think, inventive way to make it tied to the fact that the love interest is the daughter of the villain. Just, just so much good stuff happening in that movie. I also love that twist in that it also plays with our own biases, right? Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yep. like, yep. I know for me, for example, yep. I was not expecting white-ass Michael Keaton to be hooking up with uh, Fancy from the Jamie Foxx show. Um, that's a throwback <laughs> for y'all. That's yeah. a throwback for her. She's that's Haitian. A reference. She's Haitian. I know my Haitians, all right? Garcia um, also Lemoyne, because I also love Adrian Toomes in Homecoming. Like he was also definitely on my board, and I like what you said about he. It's playing with expectations because you're right, and it also does it because we have seen Liz Allen up until this point as being like the rich, popular girl, and Toomes's whole thing is no, I'm the hero of the working man. I'm like he he very intentionally portrays himself that way. And when we show up to like this very nice suburban house for Peter to pick up his date, and it's Adrian Toomes there, also like immediately makes you question the legitimacy and how selfless and how like how actually committed to what he says he's fighting for he is. Y'all really just made my entire case for me. Thank you very much. Adrian Toots is my pick for a villain on my team. And I really do think with the eighth overall pick and the third villain pick, I got to steal. You got to steal. Well, if that's everything, um, I think it's Austin's turn. Well, this is like (laughs) ongoing. uh, This is like an ongoing uh, commercial for michael keaton here uh because we're gonna keep a little keaton energy going through my enter uh my answer for the second one here uh so i'm gonna go with best fight scene uh in a spider-man film and i'm gonna go with the third act fight scene spider-man versus vulture so after kind of the the more sort of silent dramatic emotional tension in the car uh we get the physical tension between them in the fight and two things uh, that I just love about this fight that I think get right at the core of who Spider-Man is. Uh, so one of those things is when Peter is beneath all of the rubble, um, he basically has to lift himself out of that with a push-up and his come on Spider-Man, come on Spider-Man pep talk to himself, I think just gets right at who he is in the comic books. He is always a character who at the end of the day has to gut it out and grind it out. And I just think that that sort of force and act of of will there to get himself out of all that rubble really shows you kind of the heart of this character and is true to form for Spider-Man in general. And then the other thing that I think is so great about this scene um, is that in classic Spider-Man form, as we have seen him do in the comic books, as we um, will see him do in Spider-Man No Way Home, um he is above everything else uh good natured and there to help and save everybody including his villains even when they're not appreciative of it or realizing it and so his act in that scene to try and save tomb so that he doesn't die and ultimately he does save tomb so he doesn't die um just just pitch perfect spider-man um and i think also too it's lastly really powerful about that scene is it it rounds out a lot of themes in the movies that are connected to his relationship with tony if you need the suit to be a hero then you're then you're not a hero and and he does all that without the suit so 
love that fight scene and did did i mention love love michael keaton as spider-man's best on-screen live action villain because you gassed me up i'll gas you up for a little bit your point about the suit is very big i think for me one of the things about the first homecoming that i really appreciated story-wise i do appreciate the fact that at the end of the day it's not the stark industries Peter Parker that defeats the Vulture. It is your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man that defeats the Vulture. I always think it, to be honest with you, in the MCU, I don't think Spider-Man actually has fully won a battle. I really don't. I think in almost all of his wins, there's a little bit of a loss. But that being said, you're you're right, Austin. The point about the suit, I just really wanted to articulate. It's like, yes, absolutely. I love that. Listeners may be wondering if Lemoyne and I have just secretly teamed up. <laughs> Probably. I remember uh, when Maverick, Will, and I reviewed Spider-Man Homecoming Mm -hmm. and getting into an argument over that same rock scene because I was all for it and Will and Maverick were against it, saying it was unrealistic despite it being straight from the comics. Did I say that? The shade. I was was wrong. I was wrong. If this be my destiny, y'all, come on. Yeah, no, that's a great. Yeah, that's an awesome scene. I, if I said that to when, show his strength as a spider. Yeah, no, if I said that when we reviewed that, I was wrong. Wait, I loved that. <laughs> yeah, Will, your turn. All right, I get two in a row. Looking at what we've picked so far, uh, we've been really up, like Spider-Man: Homecoming. We've been digging No Way Home. We've been digging into the Spider Verse. We got one shout out to like the OG Spider-Man 2002. But you know what I think is really missing here? What we really need to get in here. Uh, it's a little bit of amazing Spider-Man love. I'm going to put in my favorite portrayal of Spider-Man. What? Um, Dondro is offended. <laughs> I'm sh- I'm a little shook by this, by the way. <laughs> I'm like, add me. Add me to this. All right. So I'm going to say for my favorite portrayal of Spider-Man, and admittedly, it was between this and Shameik Moore on my board, but Shmeek Moore's been taken off the board, so gotta go with this. It's gonna be Andrew Garfield's portrayal, and y'all are gonna start screaming in Amazing Spider-Man 2. Here's my, hear me Explain out. Explain yourself. Absolutely. So, <laughs> okay, I will- Is it because both you and Andrew Garfield are white and British? Uh, well, I mean, I would, if that were the case, I would also have to, I'd be torn between him and Tom Holland. True. I'm just loving Lemoyne's physical reaction right now. He's literally Lemoyne is on the floor. Oh my god! So here's the thing: I get why people don't like Andrew Garfield's portrayal, particularly in the Amazing Spider-Man movies. I know he's getting a lot of love recently, but like those movies aren't great. They have their problems. I will be the first to admit: Amazing Spider-Man Two is really not good, and Amazing Spider-Man One is better than Amazing Spider-Man Two, and has that going for it. But I think very consistently, the problem in those movies is, number one, not Peter Parker when he's in the suit. I think when he's being Peter Parker, especially at some points in Amazing Spider-Man 2, the writing can let him down and he can come off as kind of wishy-washy. But in the suit, I think he's always killing it. I think that he brings a levity to it very naturally that always felt really forced when it was Tobey Maguire. And that I think that often a downfall for Tom Holland is that his levity can make him feel dumb or kind of mm-hmm. ditzy, maybe. I'll grant um, you that. 
Naive, Whereas, a little a little naive. Yeah, and, yeah. and I'm sure that's intentional. I mean, um, he's a high schooler that. versus yeah. a college kid. That's true. He, he's he's playing around with a bunch of adults, but you know what? I get you. I'll give you this. Give yeah, you yeah. We all have to do that. Mm-hmm. But I think that Andrew Garfield, when he's in the suit, I think he's killing it. Like he's bringing a humor to it. He's got a bit more maturity. He's got a bit more like intelligence behind it. He was also his performance in Amazing Spider-Man One was on my list, but I'm going for it for Amazing Spider-Man Two entirely because of the last scene of that movie. We can make fun of Rhino in that scene because how they did Rhino is real dumb. But that final scene in Amazing Spider-Man Two, where like the love of his life has died, he's down and out. There's that weird deleted scene where he meets his father, who's still alive for some reason. <laughs> yes Lemoyne, that's a thing it's like you know the the rhino's out terrorizing the town and just the little kid in the spider-man costume comes forward and like you know he's he's being a a kid who's heroic but also dumb and then you just see andrew garfield as spider-man behind him he takes a moment to like talk to the kid he doesn't talk down to the kid he's like hey you're really brave all right i'm gonna take care of this guy you go take care of your mom sound good like he's he's talking the kid up he's like being good to him and then he just like immediately starts talking down to the rhino he's bringing an energy to spider-man especially in that movie because he's, he's a little bit more of a sad sack in, Spider- in amazing spider-man one he's bringing an energy he's bringing a wit and I just love it. And I think it's really good. And while that movie has a lot of problems, I think it's kind of an amazing portrayal of Spider-Man. Will is that student who was caught cheating in class and is now explaining to the principal <laughs> why they don't f- up. <laughs> this is true you're not wrong <laughs> well there's another scene in that movie that i like um the kid he's got a little windmill or something the kid on the street has this little windmill and it breaks and uh spider-man stops by and helps him helps him fix it with his like little web shooter mm-hmm. and i also just love the interaction he had with the kid there but it reminds me of the scene you were saying and i was like that is that is fantastic yeah. prime neighborhood mm-hmm. spider-man yeah yeah, there's a weird thing, not weird thing, but there's like a recurring motif with Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man and kids, because that's also like the best scene in Amazing Spider-Man 1 is when he's like saving all the people falling off the bridge. And there's like the little kid in the car that's clearly terrified and he sees Spider-Man. And it's like this man in a suit in like the dark does not make the child any less terrified. And then Peter Par- Andrew Garfield Peter Parker like takes his mask off. He's like, hey, don't worry. Don't worry. It's just me. I'm just a guy just here to help you out. Don't worry. Like here, put on the mask. It'll make you feel better. He brings heart to it and he brings energy. And I really like it. Boom, All right. Lemoyne, I have a question for you. In your opinion, two. which choice is more incorrect? Andrew Garfield, Amazing Spider-Man 2 or Tony Stark Homecoming? It's not, it's not even close. It's Andrew, Gar- Andrew Garfield. <laughs> Andrew Garfield was the worst pick that has not been made. Entire- <laughs> it, it's like, Will, 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 I gotta be honest with you. I just gotta be honest with you. <laughs> Like Andrew Garfield in the Amazing Spider-Man Two, the worst pick. It is literally that, and then we have like Gap, <laughs> and then we have uh, what's got Tony Stark coming. This is Tony Stark coming. It's it's you have to think about why that may not be a good pick, and also like some people think it's a good pick. It's fair. It's a really really fair pick. Will the entire time you were explaining Andrew Garfield, I 
zoned out. I was, not, <laughs> I was not listening. Like going back to that student example, the students in there just like, but I saw you cheat. <laughs> I saw you make the pick. <laughs> you can't defend this. You well, will, will, it's actually your turn again. So maybe try to uh, rebuild. Do better. Do better. <laughs> Do better. Build back some of the trust you have with our listeners. <laughs> all right. All right. How am I going to build back trust? You know what? I'm going to go for the other one that I think might be taken uh, sometime. So uh, I'm going to go for best ally or love interest. So this is the one that I sent to uh, to Dondro. I sent him my full list. And I was like, I think that I'm learning something about myself. Because uh, just so I can give you my full, my full board on this, I had to be like honorable mention Matt Murdock. He's not in the movie enough to really give it to him, but like, got to give the shout out. Ned Leeds in Homecoming as an ally, big fan of, didn't pick him. Uh, Andrew Garfield's Peter Parker in No Way Home, big fan of as an ally, didn't pick him. But my other three were all Gwen Stacy. So I think I'm maybe <laughs> secretly a Gwen Stacy stan, I guess. <laughs> Wait, there's been more than two Gwen Stacys? Uh, Spider-Verse. Spider-Verse. Which is the one that I'm going to go with. So I'm going to say best ally slash love interest because she's kind of both Gwen Stacy, Spider Gwen in Into the Spider Verse. Played by Haley Steinfeld. I can, I can, I can also known as um, Hawkeye. Yeah, as uh, Kate right. Bishop. Will, I have one word for you. Yes. Re- redemption. Continue. Yes. Redemption. No. Uh, yeah, I think Gwen Stacy is a fantastic character. You see how smart she is. You see how competent she is. You see like all the things that she's bringing to that role. But you also see like where clearly like she has had loss. You see where she needs to have character growth. She is an ally first. You see her helping like Miles Morales in his character arc there. You see how she helps Peter B. Parker and him like getting over uh, losing his MJ and that character arc. Like you see her just being a badass hero in her own right. Awesome ally. Given what we saw in the movie, looks like she might be a love interest going forward. I feel like as long as like it's that same level of quality, she'll be an awesome love interest. So yeah. Honestly, I have no comment because I completely agree with you. Redemption on dog. my board, to be honest. Redem- Redemption dog. Mm-hmm. Well done. Yeah. Well done, Will. Nice. Redemption. <laughs> you took us on a journey with these two picks, man. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I gotta have the one wild card to just throw everything out of whack on uh but on not in the second round. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I could have saved him for like the last pick and I would not have had anything to worry about. <laughs> and we would have been like, oh yeah, you know what? We took all the good ones, you know. That's fine. We understand. You picked him with your second pick. We had more options on the board. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I think it's Austin's turn. I feel like I am about to get a steal here. Uh, The category that I'm going to go with is best Spider-Man film. And I was initially not anticipating getting to this much later because I figured what I had at the top would be gone soon, but it's not. And so I'm going to go with the film that has shown the world that movies can still make money post-pandemic. Spider-Man No Way Home as the top Spider-Man movie. If y'all recall when we did the Batman podcast, 
I believe it was Will that picked Batman Begins as his top Batman movie. And the props that I gave to Will uh, when he made that pick was um, because I chose The Dark Knight. Uh, But what I said when Will chose Batman Begins was, I think Batman Begins is just overall the tighter, stronger, more coherent story. And I sort of feel the same way as I do between Batman Begins and The Dark Knight and Spider-Man Homecoming and Spider-Man No Way Home. Is No Way Home the tightest Spider-Man story out there? No, but it works just enough. They swing... They swing for the they swing for the fences. They don't get out of the park, but they get over the fence on an amazing try. All of the things that are supposed to wow you most in that movie could have failed so miserably. But the biggest sticking points, bringing in the characters from the other universes, works beautifully. There is amazing emotion in there. And what I think is particularly of note for the third act and end of the movie is it serves so effectively and I think perfectly um, as as a as a reset. It is a reset without having to reboot a character in a way that you're almost getting a bit of an origin story that puts Peter in these places that we're used to seeing Peter in that we haven't yet in the MCU. And so I think it sticks the landing. It tries so hard to be so much and by and large, uh lands that and i know it's controversial but i uh do appreciate that it uh, steps outside the norm and sort of puts uh aunt may and, and uncle ben's role to uh to some extent which i think uh movie which is going to take sort of a mantle that's typically been given to a guy uh guys typically get these big moments in superhero lore and give it to a to a woman character is a is a cool move as well so spider-man no way home I hate that they fridged Aunt May. I hate it. I hate it. I hate that they fridged Aunt May. I'll say that right now. <laughs> I somewhat agree with you, Austin. I'm only going to point out that a lot of the positives you spoke of were literally in the last 10 minutes of the film. And also, you did describe it as an amazing try. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I said they, they, they swung you through said, the You said at one point, you, you said at one point, out of the park. they may not have hit it at, over the fence, but it was, quote, an amazing try and you know what <laughs> it was an amazing try absolutely I think by and large they stuck it there was there was no by and large for homecoming there was no by and large for into the spider-verse we were all just like yep absolutely this one we have to give these little nuances because we know that at the end of the day and here's what i'll say and by the way i want to say no way home's on my list it was on my list it was number four because it was probably the most fun spider-man film for me it was so much fun to watch i had a good time but then i thought about it and you can't think about no way home you really just can't think about no way home you just have to sit there and enjoy it but if you think about it the, the story the, itself the, the is movies a little these are an emotional experience it's about how you feel have you felt uh have you felt a bigger high coming out of any other spider-man movie so so, uh, yes. so here's my yes. thing oh yes oh to answer that question because you you did the finger wags listener he's like got you no yes i felt higher in other spider-man movies here's my thing with this off. film the story just wasn't fully there for me the first act was way too rushed way too much missing context for how the court ends up happening why matt murdoch's even there in the first place you know and then it's just like whoop, let's throw it to the wall see make sure all this shit works 
it, it was just missing a few little plot points for me that would have made it a solid deal. It's it's it, it's fair, and in some ways, it's it's kind of like uh, you know, it's it's sort of like a dish. Maybe you take like the first couple bites, and you're like, "This is delicious." And if you give it like ten more minutes just to cool off a little bit, you you may taste a little bit more of what's really going on there, and it's it's not good. But yeah, that's my that's my top choice. All right, proud of you for sticking to your guns. Hell yeah, I'm saying I'm saying solid with it. Well, Morn, you about to take me to school with your Spider-Man portrayal? Nice. I think it is your turn. All right, <sighs> I'm looking at my list. I'm like, I'm just gonna make a wager. And I don't think anyone's gonna pick my pick for Spider-Man portrayal yet, so I'm gonna hold off on it. But I do think that in I'm the so next, curious. I do think it. If it's Nicolas Cage, I'm gonna I'm gonna erase you from the, this <laughs> multiverse. <laughs> I had the power to mute. Uh, I do think. That Dowdra is going to pick my next pick within the next two, so I'm just going to I'm just going to I'm just going to pray that he doesn't. I'm going to pray that he doesn't. Actually, I don't have to pray because I'm going to go for it. <laughs> I think I'm doing the suit and the costume. I have a mural of the suit in the costume hanging in my office. I'm picking the graffiti suit from Into the Spider Verse. Nice. Wait, did you think I was going to steal that one? I did not even consider it. Get the hell out of here. It's the best suit. <laughs> it's the best suit. I want to start off. I want to just start off really quickly with I would wear this suit like out and about, no problem. No question of that. So if I was on a run, for example, I would wear that suit on a run. No questions asked. What I love about it, there's so much personality in it in regards to think it's it's just so distinct from any other Spider-Man suit. It's so distinct, and it really defines Miles Morales like to a T. He had a hand in actually crafting it himself and designing it himself. It has a lot of functionality in terms of being able to help with his um, what's we'll called his invisibility power and his electricity power. But at the end of the day, the thing I really love about this suit is that for me, one of the one of the themes in into the Spider-Verse is the theme of stereotype threat. It's the idea of you see all these people being like, I am what a Spider-Man is. I am what a Spider-Man is. I am what a Spider-Man is supposed to function. And there is no one that looks, comes from the same background, same experience as Miles Morales. So he cannot see himself as Spider-Man. He sees himself in the opening. The only way he can see himself as Spider-Man is through the lens of the Spider-Man in his universe. Peter B. Parker that comes into his universe. He's wearing the costume of the old Spider-Man because he cannot envision what his own identity as Spider-Man could be. And the minute he envisions that identity, he is able to manifest that into his own costume. There are very few suits, very few costumes that actually have that level of meaning in terms of the theme of the movie as the graffiti suit it into the Spider-Verse. It's the number one pick for me. I would love to hear anyone go against why it's the number one pick. I will put you to school. I promise. It's without like other ones are probably better designed. Other ones are probably cooler. Not a single one of them has as much meaning. That's a lie. You could argue maybe two of them have as much meaning to, to a film. Um, but this one is the one that meant the most to me. As someone who's also gone through like the whole idea of stereotype threat and actually being able to develop your own identity in certain spaces in which you are not traditionally um, a part of, like for me, that suit is kind of the definitive of like making your own identity 
in a space in which there is no one like you that's supposed to be there. So for me, it's the graffiti suit into a spider verse. It's a clear number one for me. It really is. Yeah, I got nothing to add to that. Yeah. Yeah. No. When you put it like that, yeah. It still wasn't I'm- on my list, but <laughs> <laughs> I may have thought about this. <laughs> All right. That was, that was next level, next level commentary there, Lemoyne. That was. All right, Dondro. I'm gonna save my chaotic pick until the very last one no okay fair enough because literally i picked only one thing for that category and so if i get to the end and i have nothing then i am effed and i need to make something up i'm going i'm my my I, my goal is to guess <laughs> what it is it just let me it. see have you picked in that you haven't picked in that category yet a few of you haven't I'll, i'm gonna do best fight scene i i was conflicted between two to be honest but i'm gonna go with Spider-Man No Way Home, the mirror dimension fight scene between Doctor Strange and Spider-Man. Nice. And I picked this because it kind of breaks this trope, right, of it's villain versus hero. In this scene, both can be villains, both can be heroes. It just depends whose perspective you're looking at. But you get to see Doctor Strange kind of go at it at, at what he considers an ally, right? They've been to what, what Titan together. They've died together. They're helping each other out. They're they're on the Avengers together, right? But now they have conflicting interests. What I love about it specifically is that, number one, I love any Doctor Strange fight scene. I love the crazy visual arts. The mirror dimension is amazing. However, my favorite part about this is that Spidey uses his brains. He uses his smarts to beat Doctor Strange. He knows he can't necessarily beat magic. He knows he can't necessarily go up against Doctor Strange and win which Lemoyne has made a comment about that, you know, one always wins and loses, but that he uses friggin' calculus to beat Dr. Strange. Geometry. 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 Thank you. I was about to say as a math major, (laughs) I actually knew what he was doing during the scene. I was just like, hell yeah, you do that shit. All right, continue. Whatever he was doing, geometry, math, numbers, lines, he was able to ensnare Dr. Strange and use a dimension against him. And I think that to me just shows his intelligence, you know, we don't get that many scenes of, of him taking a test, going to school. He's applying to MIT and honestly could have easily gotten in. But we don't get a lot of scenes like that where he's showing off his intelligence. And this is a scene where he does it. And that's why I think this is one of my best fight scenes. My other pick for this, I will say later, because I really hope someone else picks it. I, I'll, like, I totally hear everything you're saying, and I don't necessarily disagree. Oh, God. I, it was not on my list. I, I think, like, I don't disagree with a lot of people's picks, but I think we're kind of sleeping on the Raimi and Mark Webb films right now. My other uh, number one pick was from those. It, let me get, hold on. Was it the train fight scene in Spider-Man 2? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's, the, like, that's the one that's in my, like, that and one other one are, are dueling it out for me for that category. But uh, I'm not saying anything that what you're saying is wrong. I just, I think that we're sleeping on some other really good ones. I don't know. I concur. Yeah. Ethan, you're up. All right. Uh, I'm going to go again, piggybacking, uh, doing favorite fight scene. Uh, we're going to go with the final climactic fight scene between Spider-Man and Mysterio in Spider-Man Far From Home. Nice. Bringing it back to something Lemoyne said a while ago, uh, where Spider-Man hasn't really won any fight by himself. 
you know, you can argue that maybe he doesn't win the whole fight on his own. Obviously, like he needs Happy to pick him up with the suit and everything. But it does end up coming down to, you know, Spider-Man's at one end of the hallway, Mysterio's at the other. And really all he can do is just trust in himself and his spider sense. And I think the motto with great power comes great responsibility is a great one. But you can only really follow it if you trust that what you're doing is the right thing to do. And in again, in that case, in that moment, all he can do is just trust and act and trust that I'm doing the right thing. I'm acting in the way that I should be acting. And so because of that, I rest my case. Great pick. To support the argument I made earlier in terms of there's almost always a little bit of a loss in all of his victories. He gets, okay. The identity piece. Um, yeah. But also, one million, but also, one million percent, I, I, I support this pick. I, I think it's a good one. Thanks, thanks. Um, and it's, it's just going to bleed into my next pick, which is best individual Spider-Man movie, Spider-Man Far From Home. I realize that is a bit controversial, widening it out a bit beyond just Spider-Man movies. I think it's the perfect follow-up to Avengers Endgame. I think the trope of just a bunch of disgruntled employees that have had the lines blurred between who's good, who is evil, and there's just a bunch of costumed assholes running around destroying stuff and they all need to be taken down a peg that again is hilarious to me coupled with jake gyllenhaal's masterful performance as mysterio uh you know i think the stark him using stark technology is a great comic book logic tool to uh set up the illusions that he has in the movie which lend themselves to great action scenes um so yeah that's my pick i'm standing by it fair enough yeah i love that i agree wow. i really of, of note, i agree with the points you made every uh every mcu tom holland spider-man film is on the uh board for um best film pick all right oh. ethan was that your number one yeah, yeah. Really? really? Was your, your number one? Okay, I support the pick. Really? I support the pick as like all the other good ones have been taken so far. Well, not all the <laughs> not all the other ones, but like some of the other good ones were picking for taking. That's your number one? It was my number five. I'll be hey, man, I voted with my heart. Fair okay. enough. Like, okay. Not, look, I, I'm the guy that okay. picked Andrew Garfield, Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah, too. Will, you, I yeah, cannot will. give you shade yeah, on will. any of you your can, picks. Yeah, Will, you gotta be quiet for this one. The people who have been <laughs> picking correctly can talk right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm just, I'm just gonna say though, like, I, in my opinion, or for me at least, Far From Home, I think is like the most disappointing Spider-Man film. Not the worst. Spider-Man 3 and Amazing Spider-Man 2 are definitely worse than Far From Home, like, without question. But I don't know. I just... Maybe it's just a me thing. I don't know. And I get a Great lot end of credit scene, too. Great end credit scene. Oh, yeah. That's fair. That's what fair. What was the end credit scene? Reveal uh, so, the identity! <laughs> oh. Uh, the scroll situation, and then uh, Fury hanging out up on uh, what is uh, probably S.W.O.R.D.'s headquarters mm -hmm. of a space station. Ah, yeah. All right, Dondro. 
I'm also going to go for best film, and I'm surprised that it hasn't come on here. My pick, directed by Sam Raimi, is Spider-Man 2, 2004. Nice. You know, nice. our Tobey Maguire Spidey versus Alfred Molina's impeccable performance as uh, Otto Octavius, Doc Ock. Not to be confused with um, Catherine Hahn's portrayal of Doc Ock. Another great villain, personally. The power of the sun in the palm of my, of my hands. hands. If you want to get a girl to love you, read her poetry. <laughs> I just think these two titans, T- Toby Maguire and Alfred Molina, just kicked it out of the park. You know, the supporting cast for this film is rounded out in a really good way. James Frank goes in it. You know, obviously, Kirsten Dunst. We get a little cameo by Willem Dafoe. But I think just the story takes you there. You know, he's not your starter Spidey. He has a little bit under his belt now. He kind of knows what kind of villains to expect. But what I really liked about him versus Doc Ock and the central core of this film is you're not a kid. You're an adult. Like, what are the ramifications of your own actions? And really, like, is there something bad that Doc Ock kind of wanted to harness nuclear energy? Who knows? No, snap, snaps to that. I Spider-Man 2 is high up there like that is one of the ones that i will anytime anyone wants to watch it i i'm down for it it was bold and underlined dandro congratulations mm-hmm. yep. good pick. yeah yes yeah the thing about spider-man 2 that's mm-hmm. just really 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 great peter parker the end of Raimi films is just kind of like a sad sack um <laughs> but like that's also what peter parker sometimes is like peter parker has a very sad and difficult life i think that having that peter parker be the one to have the storyline of Spider-Man, you know, no more makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. And I think they executed that story incredibly well. It's a really good film. It was my number three pick overall. Good job, Dadro. Good pick. Thank you. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well done. My turn. I can't. And by the way, all my first picks are still on the board, but I'm debating on whether or not I want to kind of go right now if I want to go away from my first pick. Do it. I'm going away initial first pick and fight scene okay and i will go with do it do it either my second or my fourth pick do it peter i will go with my second pick and ethan has brought us to far from home <laughs> and i will stay in far from home yeah utilizing the rationale that ethan has used and i think this fight was the perfect fight for the psychological torture that peter parker was having post Avengers Endgame, which would be the Mysterio Illusion fight in Far From Home. Wait, wait. Which one was that? The one in Berlin when it's like, when he thinks that Nick Fury is there, but he's actually an illusion. Oh, okay, okay. When Tony Stark comes from the grave. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, thank you. When I was in the theater, watching that scene, and the moment in which Tony Stark came out the grave, the audience guessed, including myself, so like I said, like Spire, there's almost always a loss in a Spider-Man fight. This one is just a definitive loss in this fight, which is fine, right? Because I think if Spider-Man always won or always had a clear victory, he would not be Spider-Man. He'd be Batman. And we did that last time, um, <laughs> in my opinion. He is a kid. He's growing up and he is supposed to go through trials and tribulations. I always find his losses more intriguing and more memorable to me than his quote-unquote victories which also almost always have a little twinge of a loss because that's who the character is he's learning he's growing and he's always struggling but he has the willpower to come up and 
get back from his struggles, right? And the fact that this battle ends with him being literally ransacked by a train, that's great. And that fight scene in Berlin <laughs> with all the illusions, with the graves coming, the him in school, him switching back to his costume. Can we talk about how he switched how they make him switch back into the hoodie costume as like a representation of him not feeling good enough again to wear the Stark costume? Did we talk about that? Because that has some meaning, right? And the fact that like it almost ends with him being like, if you were good enough, he'd still be alive, just hits him right in the book. It is both a physical battle. But it's way much more of an emotional, psychological, torturous battle that he has to go through to that. And for me, that's more interesting than the physical ones. I gotta be honest with you. It's a great fight. And just the FX of it is almost as good as Dondro's FX with the fight in No Way Home with Doctor Strange. And in my opinion, for me, I remember just being like, oh my god, this is incredible. I'm gonna go with this one, the Mysterio Illusion fight. This is my number two pick and is now my number one from Far From Home. Nice. All right, jeez. I'm, uh, I'm with that. Good job. After this great momentum here around uh, Mysterio, I'm a little tempted. I'm going to go with villain performance next. I'm a little tempted to put him out there, but I'm going to bend away from that and show a little love to the Raimi universe because I don't have a lot on my yes. list here. This is almost a toss-up for me, but um, uh, I'm going to pick um alfred molina as dr octopus from okay. spider-man 2 okay okay um, i see you i think the the arc of the character is so well acted he is sympathetic but yet even when he's so diabolical when he's under the the chip or the mind control that you still don't like him as a villain alfred molina plays that switch so well that you buy both in a really different yet believable way. I think it's also important to know that if we wound back the clocks five or six years ago, that you'd have to say he was the leading villain in what many regarded to be the best live action Spider-Man movie of all time. And I think there's something to uh, be said for that. I think even for the, the tech at the time, I still enjoy seeing how the tentacles move. I think for its time to see something like that on screen was still pretty fantastical and i just think it's um is it the brightest shiniest most attention grabbing villain portrayal that we've seen I, I think perhaps not i was thinking a lot about jake gyllenhaal here because of how charismatic he was in the role but i think alfred molina is just the whole movie you get such a solid performance uh for a character that has to go to two very different places um i know this is an original to molina's portrayal here and um octavius in the movie but again you see that heartbreaking you know realization for for peter somebody he has looked up to somebody he has trusted um has again you know become at odds with them and and he gets you know unfortunately as a result to see them die so it adds more to peter's trauma and his character building so yeah alfred molina in spider-man 2 it's it's shakespearean it really is. It's so tragic what happens to him. And that hospital scene where his tentacles <laughs> like defeat the physicians trying to remove them, you could see Sam Raimi's horror experience in that film better, I think better than any other film in his series. It, mm -hmm. it is one of my favorite like scenes from that se sequence. I really appreciate too. So when they filmed that film specifically, Spider-Man 2 2004, it was uh, puppets that were mm -hmm using the um the tentacles 
mm-hmm. but in No Way Home, it was actually entirely CGI. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In two, it's four people to each one of the uh, tentacles. Yep. So 16 people in total doing all their movement. Yeah, it looked wow. fantastic. All right, Will. Uh, so my next one, uh, I'm going to do my favorite suit slash costume. Uh, this is actually, I'm, I'm going to take the, uh, the Lemoyne approach. I had my number one that was actually still available, which was the Stark suit from Civil War and Homecoming, just based purely on aesthetics. I like that look. But Lemoyne, you talking about uh, the graffiti suit, which was on my board, uh, and and everything it meant for the character, I'm going to do the same, and I'm going to pull up one that I had a little bit lower for me, the homemade suit. We see it a little bit in Civil War, but we see it. was my that- number two, dog! It was my number yep. two! Yep. Uh, but we see it more in Homecoming. Yeah, that's my favorite. It's And, and same kind of thing aesthetically yeah not necessarily my favorite uh I, I think that that's still the stark suit from civil war and homecoming but it shows off so much of peter's character in civil war we see him talking about like the goggles and how he has them like kind of janky but they'll still grow and shrink and he's like yeah it's because i just i've got too much sensory input and i need to, to focus and so number one that tells us something about him that's something he deals with but also it shows his smarts that he was able to build something, like he was able to identify that problem and build something to counteract it. And it's, you know, we see a lot with like, you know, a lot of superhero things, Spider-Man and otherwise, uh, the idea that, oh, you have to like, you, know, you want to see a suit that somebody, you, you feel that person could have built. Like that's the thing in Amazing Spider-Man 1 where it's supposed to be like, yeah, you think you could have seen like Peter Parker build that suit and you never believe it. It never looks like something that a kid or I- anyone could actually have built unless it's like Batman and he's already a billionaire. But Homecoming suit, I think totally works. I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, like it's it's a hoodie and like some jeans and he built some goggles and he built his web shooters and I buy it will great pick i i'm still making up for for andrew garfield for you you really you really have been making up right now you're you're trying to go in you're trying to go in right now all right i'm gonna go in with my best fight uh, and i'll save villain so here's the thing with fight is I got two that I'm so close to picking that I'm not. One of them is one I was telling Dondra about earlier, the elevated train fight with Doc Ock from Spider-Man 2. It's awesome. It ends in an amazing way. It's a fantastic fight. I cannot say enough good about it. Also came really close to picking the like the finale fight in the Super Collider and into the Spider-Verse. Uh Another great one. I think the best scene, or not best scene, the best moment from that for me is when uh, Miles Morales has gotten the goober back, and he's like, and he he goes and does his own thing while Peter P. Parker and Gwen Stacy are watching, and they have the conversation. We taught him that, right? Gwen Stacy's like, I didn't teach him that, and you didn't either. And it's not neither of them. It's him repeating what he saw the original Peter Parker from the beginning of the film do. Another great scene. Not picking that one either. And I feel kind of bad about this because I, I'm going to make it so that all of the best fight scenes for all of our picks are from the MCU. But I don't know. I guess that says something. I'm going to pick from No Way Home, Peter versus the Green Goblin in Happy's apartment complex. So the one that begins with that awesome shot of Peter's uh, spidey By sense. The, the tingle. Yeah, of, of the Peter Tingle going off until he's able to identify what it is and that it's the Green Goblin coming out. 
And then Norman convinces the rest of the villains, I guess, save Doc Ock, that they need to, to go his way. And then just this brutal beatdown between Peter and Norman. It is way more visceral than I think any other Spider-Man fight has been. And it really sold for me. Peter is out of his depth. Peter has fought Thanos. He's fought Mysterio. He's fought the Vulture. He fought Captain America. Like the first person we ever see him fight in the MCU is the 70-year-old Soviet super assassin. He's fought all of these people. It doesn't matter. He is not prepared for Norman. And we have the shot where he is like on Norman just punching his face. And all that does is make Norman laugh harder. And then it's like he's throwing him through walls. He's like they're power slamming each other through the floor going like floor to floor based on that. And then it ends with this great emotional beat of Aunt May's death. And I know it's not your favorite uh, to fridge Aunt May, but Marissa Tomei and Tom Holland act that scene so well. Got to give them props for it. Just beginning to end. I think it kills it in that scene. And that's it. Good pick. Good pick. I want to say that. Good mm-hmm. pick. Do folks have any honorable mentions for best fights since that category yeah. has been rounded out? Have, yeah, have we just have uh, we just moved through the best fight category and not had selected uh when three Spider-Man show up simultaneously in costume to I kick th- ass together? I think so. I think that's the phenomenon where like there's a super hot girl and you assume she gets asked out all the time, but really no one asks her out because of that trope. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I had on my board Green Goblin versus Spidey's first fight back in Spider Man 2002. Mm-hmm. I also had, is this on the board? No, Doc Ock versus Spidey, the final battle in Spider Man 2. Mm-hmm. And also Captain America versus Spidey in Civil War. Mm. All good ones. All good ones. Um, I will be basic. My number one pick was the train fight for Spider Man 2. I'm very surprised that that was not selected, <laughs> um, but it wasn't for reasons, I guess. But we gotta get some love for that one. Man. We do. That, we really, we, do. we 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 really gotta get some love for that train fight. Also, okay, the battle between Spider-Man and the Sandman in Spider-Man Three, like just them in like the subways. Yeah, yeah the subways. Thank you. That's the sorry. That was oh, I was actually Ethan. Thinking. Take it, Ethan. Take it. Okay, no, um, that is the only scene besides when he's just looking at himself and it's the cool suit where black suit Spider-Man is what black suit Spider-Man should be. You know, it's Peter giving into his vengeance to, you know, his, his anger, which is normally something that he's able to stay above of. And yeah, I'm not sure how much basis in the comics it has that Flint Marco is truly the killer of, of Uncle Ben. Zero. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, just having that, you know, uh, already regretting that you killed a man in, in hot blood, but finding out that he wasn't ultimately even responsible, having that motivation going into the fight, it's no wonder that he ends up you know killing sandman with you know the water it's it's just it's great and everything with the black suit is just very quickly downhill from there also my last honorable mention 
give me some Prowler versus Myra Morales in Into the mm. Spider-Verse. Yeah. Ooh, yes. Austin, you're up. I, I feel like I'm about to say a handful of things that are uh, going to get our resident Spider-Man expert, LeMoyne, riled up here. Uh, first, I just want to point out that to make the points in this Spider-Man conversation, a lot of people, including myself, uh, but not just me, have uh, made references and looped in The Dark Knight and other Nolan movies to contextualize the points they're trying to make within the spider realm. Um, so, if you're suggesting yeah. that they use the Dark Knight series as like a foundation, I'm going to refute that refusely. And I, also, I've and also, it. it's and also, it's reference to prior prior podcasts that we did. It's not to the actual trilogies. I could talk or, about the spider. I could talk about the just, I could talk about or Spider-Man superior stories. A, I could talk about. Don't get me started, Austin. I could talk about the Spider-Man <laughs> films in a vacuum. Trust and believe, but I'm talking to you. I know my audience. Continue, Austin. <laughs> when Don't something lives and exists, Don't you come no, for makes me. Sense. When something lives and exists in such greatness, you use it to help understand other mediums that are Austin, similar. I cursed better. you out I for understand. the first time yesterday, and I will curse you out on this podcast. Austin, this is coming from the guy who said the best Batman film was The Dark Knight Rises, so I don't think you have a leg to stand on. I, I misspoke. I meant to say the dark. And that night. was coming. And uh-huh. that was coming from the guy who said that Batman vs Superman: The Ultimate Edition <laughs> was the best. Was the best uh, Batman film extended. So. Well, so that was the first thing uh, that that I knew was going to get Lemoyne going. Um, and now I'm going to do exactly what I said. I've noticed people doing, and uh, you know, as as the Joker says to Batman in in relation to Gotham, there's no going back. You've changed things forever. I would say that in the live action way that we now know peter parker the same can be said for tony stark there's no going back you've changed things forever in terms of how we know understand and relate to peter parker and spider-man and with that i'm going to lead into my winner my first choice uh for best suit or best costume uh peter exists in a world now tom holland's peter where he has had Iron Spider, he's had the Karen suit, and they have transformed in many ways the way we understand what it means to see Spider-Man in his suit and in action. At the same time, though, sometimes what worries me about that depiction of him in his suit is it takes away too much of what makes Spider-Man suits classically awesome, which is Peter out on his own without all of the resources in the world, uh, still making a suit that allows him to go out and be the neighborhood hero. And so my top choice is a suit that actually blends these two realities uh, that we know to be true now of Peter. Um, and that suit would be the upgraded suit um, that we see him don for the first time towards the end of Far From Home, because yes, he is in the jet with Happy um, using Tony's tech. Um, to put it together, but he is also using his own scientific brain and ingenuity to pull it together. And you feel so that that is actually probably my favorite scene of the movie is when the back in black song comes on, which is a callback to what Tony was listening to, uh, to bring that song back. I almost stood up out of my chair in, in the theater when that song came on. So just that scene, I love so much and what's happening there. You have, you have the Stark tech that is so emblematic of who Tom Holland's Peter is, but you also have something that is classically Spider-Man and him building his own suit. So that's my that's my choice. That's my the one three. that's red and black. Yeah, red and black. Okay. Yep, it was my number three. Austin, same exact reason. It's a good one. 
Lemoyne, it's your go. After thinking about it, my number five fa- pick on the board, but I'm picking her. Ooh. Her. <laughs> for ally and love interest from Spider Man 2. Give me Aunt May from Spider Man 2. Wow. Yeah, I know, right? Interesting. I know, Explain. Right? I know, right? I feel I this. Right? I feel there this. Are, there are a lot. First and foremost, I've stuck with the MCU a lot, and I need to give some love to the Raimi series, which was like really meaningful for me as a kid. And this was, aside from the other one, this was the only other one that I had from the Raimi series. That's on my that's on my list. Yeah, I'm gonna highlight two major scenes for what made me even put her on my board from the jump. The first one being when she is the thing about. I'm gonna I'm gonna rant about MG, the uh, Kristen Dunst's MJ and specifically what you know the writers did with Kristen Dunst's MJ, which was literally just make her a damsel in distress throughout the entire Rainy's trilogy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Aunt May is not a lot. Aunt May ain't gonna be no damsel in distress. When Doc Ock came to ask her from that bank, Aunt May just go sit there in that tentacle and be like, <laughs> "Oh, do what you will with me." And may gonna see that tentacle with that spear coming through and be like, oh no, you don't. That ain't my <laughs> nephew, but I ain't gonna let you fuck up my, my Spider-Man. She whacked that man with that with that umbrella so quick with the quickness and the fury. It's not even funny. I was like, okay, Rosemary Harris, you whoop his ass. Alright? So, like, literally, like, that's a really great ally in terms of like Spider-Man would have been dead in the Raimi series by Spider-Man 2 if it wasn't for Aunt May in that sequence. And then additionally, when Spider-Man quit being Spider-Man it, and when he decided that the pain is enough, I'm not having the life I want, the responsibility is too much of a burden for me to, to bear, it was Aunt May who had to chat with him in order to get his mind back and realize, okay, you know what? I get that my life might be easier without Spider-Man, but the responsibility is one that's now on my shoulders that I now have to take. I think when you go into the Raimi series, if you're thinking about allies and you're thinking about love interests, I think it's Aunt May from Spider-Man 2 that's the best one in terms of what she meant for the plot of that film. Even if it wasn't like a pronounced role, it was a significant role, both in terms of getting Peter Parker to adorn the uh, mantle of Spider-Man once more and also literally saving this man's life. I'm happy with this pick, even though it was the last one that I had on my board. I think it's one that I could defend. I, it was not on my board, but giving your explanation, I am in agreement. No, I'm glad you picked that. I'm here for that. So, I'm going to go with best suit or costume, and I'll leave my chaotic pick till the end. <laughs> I am surprised no one said this yet. Well, now I'm looking at my picks to see which one I want to do. Because I kind of thought some of them would be taken off the board by now, to be honest. It's the black costume for Spider-Man 3, ain't it? No. Oh, wow. It's not on my board at all. I'm going to go with the Iron Spider suit. Okay. It's classic. It first appears in Infinity War, right? Yes. yes There's like a brief right. shot of it in well, Coming, yeah. but he, he first he wears it, down. it in Infinity War. He turn, Yeah, he turns it down at the end of, in the home credit, home gotcha. post credits. Yeah. But he gets it because it's the, the, thing, the thing that Tony makes come into space to protect him. Yeah. Correct. Uh, right. It's straight from the comics, and that's honestly why I kind of love it. Um, the Iron Spider suit kind of gives him this grim appearance of he's an actual spider. Uh, and it has the Tony Stark, you know, add-ons and additions. But I think also, if he didn't have this, this suit, 
there's no way he would have survived Infinity War or Endgame. Like the yeah. uh, the powers this suit is able to do is one of the only reasons we were able to make Endgame happen. Like if instant kill mode wasn't a thing, Tony would have never gotten the uh, the gauntlet. Mm-hmm. I thought someone would have mentioned this already. To be completely honest with you guys, not on my list. Well, Moin, you were you were shaking your head in disapproval quickly. Is that because the costume rendered in the movie is a far cry from what it looks like in the comics? It is different. I'll give you that. Part of the I reason, was just curious. It's part of the reason, and then also Loki. <laughs> Again, I want my suit to just remind me of Spider-Man as the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, and that is and that's like the antithesis of what I like about Spider-Man is the Iron Spider. It's like Spider-Man sponsored by Stark Industries is I mean, what yeah. I see every time I see it, right? And, and that's like, what it is in the comics. And that's what it is by the comics. Mm-hmm. And I and mm-hmm. it's just not my it's just not it's just not my vibe. Um and that's that's more like a personal thing though, right? Other people, it's their vibe. Dondra, I think you explained it really well. It's just mm-hmm. for my personal preference in terms of what I want in a costume, it's not the Iron Spider. Absolutely. Uh Ethan, you're up. Uh, we are going with best costume black suit Spider-Man from Spider-Man 3. Again, I voted with my heart. The black suit slash Venom symbiote is my favorite aspect of Spider-Man. It is, believe it or not, the best looking black suit to date. Um, yeah, I'm including both Venom movies. Again, we're not even going to talk about how Venom actually looks in that movie. I've tried to keep this hidden. I want you guys to respect me. I am somewhat of a Spider-Man 3 apologist. I'm uh, used to that. What? I think the the black suit arc is not uh, unsalvageable. You just need to do it in reverse. You need to start with him being a dick to Mary Jane, leave the cheesy 70s stuff in the middle, and end with him going too far with Sandman. It's not perfect, but it's passable. And anyway, that's my piece. You're going to pause right now, really quickly. First and foremost. Oh, Ethan had some momentum. Yes, but I'm not letting you have that. Uh, first <laughs> and foremost, <laughs> is that now that we have finished costumes and suits, yeah. are there any honorable mentions from the gang? The other ones I had on my board were Toby Maguire's like, general suit, mm-hmm. the one he uses, the spider suit worn by Penny Parker. And okay. the Spider Gwen suit. Yes. Sp- spider Gwen a, mil- a million percent. That was yeah. on my list. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Lemoyne, I know you're going to not like this one, but the suit from Amazing Spider-Man 2 looks great. I actually had that on my list. Hell yeah. <laughs> I'll give the suit some credit. I like the suit. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Is, that's right. I don't know if this is honorable mention territory. I don't think it would have been on my list, but I um, I would give a little shout out to the suit in the first Amazing Spider-Man for one reason only. You know, they were they were doing a new Spider-Man. It was a new universe from Tobey Maguire, and I think what helped me understand how the tone and how the movie and how the Spider-Man and how just in general that universe was going to be different was when I first got a look at that. Spider-Man suit. Um, I know it was during the time when kind of in superhero movies, the Nolan Batman movies were were sort of king. It was cool to be a little darker and edgier. And I think they were trying to tap a little bit of that in the Amazing Spider-Man. So whenever I saw that suit for the first time, I was like, this is a cool 
new different suit that really fits with sort of what's in right now in superhero movies. So with kind of the darker, smaller eyes, I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah. I'm going to be completely honest. I didn't realize there were two different suits for the amazing Spider-Man. <laughs> there were. And I think yeah. the second, and I'm going to go with Will. And I think the second one was better, but yeah. anyway, Ethan, you're on the board. Best portrayal. Totally serious. Spider-Man three. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> No, best Spider-Man portrayal, I'm actually going to go with, again, the original Raimi movie, uh, Spider-Man 2002. I, I think it's a great portrayal of the classic iteration of Peter Parker. Again, that movie has the advantage of there's really nothing they're trying to circumvent or have a fresh take on. Uh, you know, they can just really lean into the classicism of the origin story. Uh, and that's what I really appreciate about it. Did you say the classism of the origin story? Classicism. Oh. <laughs> I were like, are we making Sp Sam Raimi's Spider-Man a class story? Talking about I mean, socioeconomic I, I, status? We could, find, like we could cool. find a way. We could find a way. Yeah, I mean, I think, I, and again, this is like my little, like, that was one of the reasons Spider-Man caught so much popularity early on, was he was the first superhero to have to deal with the holistic wheel of capitalism this is true this is true mm -hmm. this is very true and also like low-key him going against norman fucking osborne who is the mm -hmm. face of the military industrial complex oh, in yeah. the mcu there is some classic motifs in that original uh watch clock in that yeah, original spider-man mm -hmm. absolutely right, but anyway uh that is my pick <laughs> so my last category Oh hell no! <laughs> what? Ally. Best uh, ally and or love interest. Can I, can I take a guess? Sure. Is it Tony Stark in Iron Man Two? Because Peter Parker is technically in that and gets saved <laughs> by Tony Stark. <laughs> I swear to God, absolutely not. <laughs> the best ally, in my opinion, <laughs> was. <laughs> It has to be Peter Porker. Otherwise, you are no longer a member of this podcast. Spider-Ham slash Peter Porker voice by yes! John Mulaney. Let's go. <laughs> As portrayed in Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. It was it my only pick for this category. <laughs> it took, and like, honestly, Dr. I'm sitting here just being like, I think I know. I think I do know. <laughs> I want you to have this voice. Thank you. Mm -hmm. You know, Peter Porker just really shows up. You know, he brings out his clobber and time hammer. Uh, he pulls out all the stunts to make sure that our Miles Morales is able to save the Spider-Verse. <laughs> and I hope we see him back in Across the Spider-Verse. You know, we've been trying to get John Mulaney on this podcast for decades now. He doesn't respond to my calls and or texts or tweets. So if anyone mm. knows him, let him know. Good pick. Great job. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we would have you would have to change the name of this podcast if Peter Parker was not selected by by any of us. Yeah, yeah, it was. Necessary. But also, he was actually a good ally. Oh hell yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Like there are like out of film reasons that we had that you had to choose it or someone right. had to choose it, but also like taking all of those out, still a very valid choice. Well, and he got like he got his own little spinoff special afterward. Oh, that's true. I always forget about that. Yeah. Thank stick, you, John Mulaney. Stick to the film. <clears throat> It was a short film. Oh, All right. In my opinion, Nicholas Cage. There, there was not a portrayal that had more at stake in any film featuring Spider-Man 
than this film that I'm about to mention. If this portrayal failed, then the entire where we're at with Spider-Man in this current day, we would not have No Way Home making like over like one point whatever billion dollars at the end of a pandemic. Like Gen Z would not care about Spider-Man whatsoever. We would not the have millenn- kids. The millennials, the millennials would be like, screw it. I've already seen two. Why do I care about this one? If there was not this portrayal of Spider-Man, then the Spider-Man the MCU, the entire Sony project in collaboration with Marvel absolutely fails. And after it's far from home, no one would really care if Sony said we're going to just keep Spider-Man doing our own thing. But because of this portrayal, we are bought in. We are invested <laughs> in this portrayal of Spider-Man. Give me Tom Holland and Captain America Civil War as the best portrayal of Spider-Man. It was my number one pick on the board. I was going to ask, that was your top choice from the, from the jump? From the jump. And the reason why is that there was not, like the other ones, I, I was looking at from the context, and there was so much at stake for this one that none of the other ones had as much at stake, or if they had as much at stake, such as Andrew Garfield and The Amazing Spider-Man 1, they did not live up to the calling as much as Tom Holland did in Captain America Civil War. In that one story, here are the things that Tom Holland accomplished. (laughs) (laughs) We got the setup in terms of why he wants to be a hero. We got the setup of him being the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. We got the setup of his relationship with Tony Stark. We got the setup of him being actually a fun and funny superhero. We got, and by the way, this is my like definitive like quote when it comes to like Spider-Man in the MCU, and arguably one of the definitive quotes of Spider-Man in any medium. Captain America looks up, looks to uh, what's called, looks to Spider-Man. Tells him, you got heart, kid. Where you from? Spider-Man says Queens, and Captain America says Brooklyn. Like, to get the, the nod of approval from Captain America in the MCU, who I still think has the best storyline and arc of any character in the MCU, means so much for that character. It was short, it was small, but damn it if it wasn't impactful, if it didn't set the stage for, in my opinion, the second greatest story arc in the MCU is Tom Holland's as Spider-Man. Right. Captain America Civil War, Tom Holland, I rest my case. Mic drop. <laughs> Although, LeMoyne, like, agree with everything you said, but just uh, one thing that's worth noting is that uh, Captain America Civil War is not Peter Parker's first appearance in the MCU. That okay, is Iron Man. Sorry, sorry. It's Spider-Man's first appearance in the MCU. That is true. I don't know if you know this, but I don't actually know who Peter Parker is, so... We only, uh, we only know Peter Porker here. Um, okay, so after thank you for allowing me to rant. I feel like I just used this as an opportunity. <laughs> I, I'm the Austin of the last podcast where we just use this opportunity to grandstand. <laughs> <laughs> Look, when we do, when lay we do the, it all out there. When, when we do the Daredevil podcast, that'll be my chance to grandstand. <laughs> Ooh. Any comments in regards to Tom Holland? I have, I have a legit one about Civil War. Yeah, and no. It's about Civil War, but it's also about Infinity War which is I really like how Peter Parker is portrayed in civil war. And I think that homecoming builds off of it in the right way. But when we get to infinity war, 
it feels almost to regress Peter Parker in a way that makes me like his performance in Civil War less. Like, Homecoming is all about, like, Peter Parker being the whole, like, Iron Boy Jr. thing and being like, no, I can be more than that. And, like, I can evolve past that. And then it, he kind of just regresses back into, like, hey, I'm going to make another, oh, do you remember that really old movie joke? And, oh, like, I don't know. It's just, I get you, Lemoyne, and I don't disagree with everything you said about Civil War, but just his portrayal in Infinity War gives me pause about when thinking back to Civil War. You see, I agree with that, but only for Homecoming. Yeah, you know, that's fair. Yeah, but that's, that's my thought. Yeah, I can see it. Any honorable mentions for Spider-Man portrayals that we haven't talked about? The only two I, will- I had were Jake Johnson as Peter B. Parker, mm-hmm. Nicolas Cage as Spider-Man Noir. You mean Batman? I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> well, I mean, those are both fair. I He was not on my list, but I do just want to give a, a quick shout out to Chris Pine as Peter Parker, like Miles's universe's version. Not on the same level as I think Jake Johnson or... Uh, you know, definitely not on the same level as like any of Tom Holland, Andrew Garfield, Shamik Moore, Toby Maguire, any of that. But he does a good job, and he does have an important role in making that film work. I got definitely go. not anybody um, on a on a short list of mine for this conversation. But um, to make a point that I think uh, in both a meta and in story way, No Way Home makes pretty clearly is um, Andrew Garfield is a good Spider Man. I think Andrew Garfield is just fantastic. Peter, Spider-Man, he does both well. He's a great, he's an amazing actor, just mm-hmm. re- regardless of superhero movies. Um, I'm glad he is back in the fray and hopefully we'll see him again at some point. Agre- agreed. If you put, I had Andrew Garfield, No Way Home on mine. And the other one I had on mine was, listen, the, sh- that, the sad stick works in Spider-Man 2, y'all. It really does. Tony Maguire, Spider-Man 2. On my list. All right, Austin. Yeah, the final the final pick for the ally final ally slash love. Yes, yeah, the last ally. So ally and love interest, perhaps. I feel it is criminal that we are going to waltz out of this podcast without Zendaya or Jacob Babylon in uh, their impeccable portrayals getting change, put into ally that. or love interest. That. I could. I could. You could change that. And I'm not gonna. You should. You really should. It was at the top of my list for this category. Where some of Uncle Ben. <laughs> <laughs> no. So some of what you were just saying, Lemoyne, sort of put some wind in the sails here and kind of motivated me to keep going in this route with the whole uh, Spider-Man getting introduced into the MCU. And then part of what Will said was was a little bit of a pushback, I think, on what I'm about to put out there. But you just can't sleep on or ignore how powerful and overall just amazing and beautiful the tony peter relationship is how pivotal it is to both of them as characters to how pivotal it ended up being to the entire universe because i think that if tony doesn't return from space that line he says to cap i lost the kid that guy he's never washed dishes in his life i don't think until that scene where he's in his little cabin washing dishes and his sprinkler head washing or his sink uh, head washing the dishes sprays in the wrong direction and he comes across that picture of him and peter and he stares at that picture and he says god damn it 
I'm going to get off the bench and go figure out time travel and save the universe. The Tony Peter relationship is just so huge on so many levels. And so I think the movie where the Tony Peter allyship rises to the top of this list for me is in Avengers Infinity War, Tony as Peter's ally. There is just some incredible stuff that comes from that. I think in a movie that is like full of heart in every scene, probably the strongest heartbeat in the whole movie um, is I don't want to go. I don't want to go. Tony and Peter um, on Titan and other things that come up in that movie that are just huge in terms of their partnership and Tony's allyship to Peter. Despite Peter flying in the face of Tony by getting on the ship, Tony respects him enough to not only accept that, but then to knight Spider-Man as a f***ing Avenger. And that happens because of that partnership and allyship that is going on in that movie. I just love their partnership. Um, it's because of that partnership that Spider-Man gets to go fight Thanos, which is a huge thing both from the comics and like gives him a leg up on the other Peters in the different universes, I think. So this is a relationship that gets me pretty excited. And I think it's at its best in this, uh, in this movie, Tony Stark uh, with Peter in Avengers Infinity War. No, I think that's, I think that's valid. I get that. I think it's valid. I think it's valid. Should, should we go through honorable mentions here? My entire list was not selected by anybody. And everyone I have for ally love interest was bolded and underlined, except the one I ended up saying for everyone. <laughs> Can I just go through my list? Do it. Thank you. How on God's green earth was Ned Leeds from Homecoming not selected? I'm right there with you, man. I'm yeah. right there with you. <laughs> Y'all could have picked like, him. Like he is invested in the cause. He's excited about everything. He wants to be, he wants to be, he's literally what we know him as is the man in the chair. I can't he wait for him to go I'm fully the- hobgoblin on us. <laughs> Give so I'm going to ask everyone a question. Mm-hmm. Yes. Austin made the reference in terms of Zendaya. I think mm-hmm. we all can agree a good love interest and a good ally. Yeah. I want to ask the crowd, which film was her best role as an ally slash love interest? No way home. Far from yeah. home. No way home. Dondro, I'm with you. I picked far from home. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> Here, here's the reason why. I think the other Spider-Man films, when Spider-Man was pining over the person, then the person became an object without their actual, without any like sense of personality. And I think in Far From Home, she was, a, she was still able to be pined after, but still show her intellect, still show her strange, but also like kind of like countercultural like personality. Uh, and then still transition into an ally to the point where she still wasn't a damsel like in distress in that film. Yes, um, where, and like, I felt like in Far From Home, she was more of a moral compass also to Peter, whereas in No Way Home, she wasn't as much. So I'm just curious to hear why people said No Way Home. I mean, that was my j- knee-jerk reaction pick, but hearing the arguments that you guys have said, I, I kind of want to change mine to Far From Home. I feel like No Way Home is so... No one really knows what they're dealing with with the multiverse that she can't really be a moral compass because they're, you know, what are the morals of of this situation? Yeah. I said no way home. I feel like I understand her character better in that. If you kind of skip over far from home and just watch like homecoming and no way home, it's interesting to compare how she appears in those two movies. Cause like her character evolves a lot and not saying it's like, 
it makes no sense or anything. Like, no, I totally get how her character has changed between those. But by the time we get to No Way Home, I feel like I understand her better. She has this whole obsession with the macabre in Far From Home. And I'm like, okay, this could be something. And she says, like, yeah, I just like talk about macabre things to cover up the fact that I'm always stressed or something. I'm like, that's just a little on the nose for me. I kind of, I feel like there's more nuance and more depth to her character as we see it in No Way Home. So that's why I said that. Fair. Absolutely. Yeah. I think we, I also have to give a shout out. Uh, Emma Stone is Gwen Stacy. Here's the thing. She, for Amazing Spider-Man 1 and Amazing Spider-Man 2, both on my list. And I think that like, while Andrew Garfield is never necessarily like the worst thing about those movies, I think it's the villains that are consistently what's, what are dragging those movies down. Emma Stone is consistently the standout in the Amazing Spider-Man movies. Her, Gwen Stacy, is incredible. Like, great just as an ally, great just as a love interest. She and Peter have, she and that Peter have the best love story in any of the Spider-Man films. I will stand by that. I put her in Amazing Spider-Man 2 above Amazing Spider-Man 1 solely because she is more actively involved in like stopping the villain plot in Amazing Spider-Man 2. So she is much more an ally who is actively involved in the plot versus just a love interest, which like she does phenomenally in both. The last ally I would name is Otto Octavius in No Way Home. On my That's list. That's a good one. That's That's on my list. Very was, good. Was on my list. Great pick. Mm-hmm. Do you want? Do you want to explain? Do you want to talk more? No. About it or no. No, <laughs> no <laughs> just, more explanation. Just, uh, yeah. I yeah. mean, it, it's a redemption arc for the character at the same time. Yeah. The tragic. Yeah. The tragic villain mm-hmm. gets his redemption. Beautiful. Yeah. Will take us home. All right. Favorite villain. So. A bunch of the ones that I, I had four that were all like jostling for first place for me. And three of them have already been said. So Green Goblin and No Way Home, Adrian Toomes and Spider-Man Homecoming, and Otto Octavius and Spider-Man 2. All were right up there. All fantastic villains. Missed out on all of them, but the fourth one lacks some of the emotional complexity of some of these other ones, but I think makes up for it in being just like the most pleasant surprise i think of any of the villains not expecting it totally like different direction than what i thought was going to happen and just so great so my pick for favorite villain is olivia octavius in spider-man into the spider-verse like not necessarily the most emotionally compelling villain but just such a great surprise, such a great presence. Uh, Catherine Hahn is fantastic in that role. Olivia all along. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> shit. Nice. I love that. I, I fully agree. Uh, that's why I mentioned her earlier as well. Like, I think she does a fabulous job. It's definitely a, the 180 that I was not anticipating. Was on my list. Mm-hmm. All right, so I think that is everyone. Any honorable mentions for villains? Oh, good question. I want to say really quickly, this this villain category that we picked, this is my list. So I have no nice. <laughs> Wow. Including the two separate Willem Dafoe's, Lemoyne? Including the two separate Willem Dafoe's. Mm-hmm. The only honorable <laughs> mention I would like to make for this category, 
and I think I've talked to Will and Ethan about this in separate occasions, is J. Jonah Jameson in No Way Home. I consider him the sixth villain of the Sinister Six because of, you know, a lot of the stuff that happens to Peter are also advanced and made quicker because of J. Jonah Jameson. Yeah. Mm. And look, he's basically just like Alex Jones and literally he's a real villain. So do it. So, and so now we're going to tally up the votes. I'm here. The results are coming. All the votes are in. They've been tallied. Give them to us. Do it. And in first place. No, start in fifth. We got and go in fifth. <laughs> and in fifth place, Lemoyne. I really hope I didn't bias the results on this one. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! But Ethan's team did come in fifth place. <laughs> oh no! Okay. In fairness, I didn't like his picks. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I know that to be true. And in fourth place, he probably would have won if this was the Batman draft. But it's not. It's Spider-Man. So Team Austin. Ooh. Oh. Interesting. Ooh. And the top three for this season special are... And in third place... In third place, we have... Team Will. Oh shit! All right, it's a tie. No, it's it's definitely that uh, that Andrew Garfield that people aren't vibing with. <laughs> and it, you don't do second place, right? You jump right to first. We got. Are we gonna do first runner up? Or are we gonna do? Are we gonna do first place? I feel like people. It's like third place, and then you jump to first place because if you're okay. not second, then you know who first is. That's okay. fair. I'll, and I'll in first place. Okay. <clears throat> This person. Wait, wait, who's left? It's It's you two. It's you and me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And in first place, it's Maverick. Surprise. (laughs) First place received the number one tally from every single voter. Oh, my. All right. Then I know who won. Congratulations to me coming in first. This is rigory. This is rigor mortis. (laughs) With the definitive best team. Doctor, this is your fault because I didn't even care to have a voting system, but now I do. I am about to. This is rigged. uh, This is uh, rigged. I would like to see the screen. I would like to see the results. When you say defending champ, what do you mean? Definitive. Definitive. Oh, definitive. I thought you said defending, and I was like, I I have memory of somebody else clocking the most Bruce's. So, silver medal to Dondro. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And when you uh, die of old age, I will gladly uh, take on the rain. <laughs> uh, and also, when I die suspiciously young. <laughs> <laughs> I will also take... I, I will gladly, you know, be in waiting. Yes. Yeah. All listeners, thanks for tuning in. Hope you all come back next time when we discuss all of our favorite moments characters and cars from all of the different wonder woman movies that are out there i thought you were gonna say hasbro car films because i know you were obsessed with those yo yeah we're doing the hot wheels movies Um, i'm sorry don't you remember us talking about the fast and furious on the batman pop i've only seen one don't you care about la familia about family i wish i could mute you right now
Dondro, they are the perfect, like, they're the perfect action movies. For they're who? dumb enough that you can, for anybody, they're dumb enough that you can just watch them and not worry about it. They're like, political and social messaging is so confused that you can assume that it's for you no matter what your political orientation is. Cute. Yeah. <laughs> well, listeners... Thanks for listening in yeah. on this Spidey special. Will, take us home. Yeah, thank you all so much for listening. Uh, glad to have you all back. We're, we really dig doing these just like retrospective episodes on characters that we love and giving Austin or LeMoyne or any of us chances to just really go hard on the things that they love. Now, nah, if you enjoy this kind of thing, if you want to hear more of it, if you're like, hey, we want you to do it for this character, or this franchise hit us up like we're down well yeah maybe we can maybe we can dish on hell's kitchen <laughs> i mean i don't know if there's enough variation within that for us but i would be there for it you got you got the daredevils you got the electra you got the, the jessica jones you got the jessica jones you got, we i could, i we would totally do a marvel netflix like retrospective like all the defenders shows we could do that that's doable that is doable. Yeah. Beep, boop, boop, bop, beep. It looks like the spell's starting to wear off. Uh-oh. Technology is forcing me to leave early. Bye, Ethan. See ya. Bye, Ethan. Thanks, Thanks for having Goodbye. Take care, man. Oh, now, that, now that Ethan's gone, wow, his team is terrible, isn't it? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm, kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's Shane. I'm just joking. He, 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 so that makes Ethan our Venom. He's been sucked back into the Venom verse before he had time to affect everything. <laughs> but Will, a good try for his first time on the. Uh, on the oh <laughs> we love hey, you. Wait, Ethan. No, 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 no. Hold on. I said the wrong thing. An amazing try. For the first time on the Peter Porker podcast. <laughs> we love you, Ethan. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Austin. Thank you, Lamorne. Yeah. And Ethan, thanks also, even though you have gone back to your universe, unfortunately, too quickly. Yeah. Oh, no. We're returning to our universe. Oh, no. is. I, I haven't paid the tab at the bar that I went to. <laughs> Austin, good seeing you. Also, Loki, I realized, sorry for cursing you out yesterday. <laughs> Why did you curse him out? Oh, curse me out! Oh, and the text. Oh, and that. Well, the text card. Yeah, yeah. Sorry for cursing you, Rob. I was very <laughs> hungry. And I was very hungry and sleep deprived. So, I just wanted to make sure. Yeah. Okay. Later, guys. Yeah. See Bye. You know, it's great to be like in these big multiverse crossovers, but mm-hmm. sometimes it's nice to be back to just like the OG PPPH universe. Right. I mean, Maverick's little here has Pip the Troll on my yeah. shoulder. Yeah. He's not going to say anything, but uh, he's waving high. Trust us. He's definitely right there. Yes. Yes. Oh, oh, and he just disappeared. I guess he was from the wrong, the oh, wrong no. universe. Oops. <laughs> he's actually an eternal. It's fine. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> That was a movie. <laughs> <laughs> it was. Yeah. But anyway, listeners, we you know we always appreciate you listening to us here at the Peter Porker Power Hour. We know, you know, we got some specials coming out. Maybe we'll do more in the future. Have yeah. a topic. Let us know. Yeah, no, absolutely. Tell us what you think. If you enjoy these things, if you think that they're really dull, whatever it is, let us know. What's Love your favorite hear. sound effect? Yeah. Who's your favorite cool. white man? That's true. 
Yeah. You have so many to pick from. It's great. (laughs) (laughs) All right, listeners, stay safe, stay warm, and get to swinging. Don't send me pictures of spiders. I am deathly afraid of them. Oh my God. That's so true. How did you make it through all these films? Oh, I had my eyes shut the entire time. Oh, good. Have a good evening, listeners. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Peter Porker Power Hour. If you'd like to get in contact with us, you can find us on Twitter at Porker Hour, or you can send us an email at peterporkerpowerhour at gmail.com. Our theme music is This Morning by Lobo Loco. We'll be back next week with a new topic. Stay tuned. Thanks for listening. Beep, boop, 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 boop.